Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Ag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, a new pork processing plant has been established in Moose Jaw. The plant plans to process the 200,000 cull sows that are currently exported to the U.S. Kevin Hirsch, our chief agricultural editor for saskagtoday.com, will have more on that story for us. Prices for all feeder, steer, and heifer weight categories are down, according to the latest cattle market update from Canfax. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats will have those numbers for us on today's program. And a weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. He'll join us on today's program as well. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. GX94, AgReview. New Manitoba Premier Wab Canoe's mandate letter for the province's agriculture minister was made public on Monday. Dauphin MLA Ron Kostishin has returned as Manitoba's Ag Minister for a second term after representing the agriculture portfolio in Cabinet from 2012 to 2016 in the province's last NDP government. The letter includes five specific priorities for Kostishin. Reinstate unit transfers to the Crown Land Program while also making leases more affordable to give the next generation of producers a fighting chance. To work with the federal government to ensure strong agri-recovery and agri-stability supports to help producers make ends meet while they navigate the impacts of climate change. Keep MASC offices open to give producers the support they need close to home and explore opportunities to bring MASC offices back to rural communities. Work with the Minister of Advanced Education and Training to deliver funding to build a Prairie Innovation Center for Sustainable Agriculture at Assiniboine Community College and support innovation and research in the agricultural sector, including opportunities to expand regenerative agriculture. Cargo is moving again on the St. Lawrence Seaway, but it could take a week to clear the backlog caused by a strike that's affected customers during the peak grain shipping season. Management of the Seaway and Unifor struck a tentative deal on Sunday, ending the strike that began on October 22nd. Crosby Devitt, CEO of the Grain Farmers of Ontario, says around 6 million metric tons of grain are expected through the St. Lawrence Seaway annually, and he says the delivery of well over 1,000 truckloads had to be cancelled last week due to the strike. The net speculative short position in the ice futures canola market rose to its largest level ever recorded as fund traders put on fresh bearish bets and liquidated previously placed long positions. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of October 24th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 93,603 contracts, an increase of about 22,800 contracts from the previous week, 
and the largest net short position ever recorded for the commodity in the past five and a half years of available data. The largest net short position in canola futures hit previously was 75,357 contracts in March of 2023. Open interest in the canola market came in at 270,477 contracts, which was down by 32,495 contracts from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders moved back to the long side of the market in soybeans, moving from a small net short of about 3,400 contracts to a net long of around 6,800 contracts. Climate Field View, Bayer's digital agronomic platform, and Combine have announced the next phase in fully integrating the two platforms for clients. For the first time, customers in both the U.S. and Canada will be able to connect their agronomic data in Field View to their marketing data in Combine, enabling them to make more informed decisions. Combine is a crop marketing record-keeping and decision-making support tool that consolidates key information related to grain storage balances, contracts, deliveries and settlements across multiple buyers, and net overall marketed positions per crop. Bayer says that FieldView allows farmers to collect and analyze data from seed to harvest so they can better understand crop input performance and overall yield results. The addition and integration of Combine means that customers will have the option to transfer seeded acres and yield metrics from FieldView to Combine without needing to export, upload and enter their data twice. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 7 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. A new pork processing plant has been established at Moose Jaw. The plant plans to process the 200,000 cull sows that are currently exported to the United States. With the latest on this, here's Kevin Hirsch, the Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskGangToday.com. Donald's Fine Foods, owned by Donald Lung and his family, already runs Thunder Creek Pork in Moose Jaw, processing a little over 300,000 market hogs per year. Their second facility is North 49 Foods, developed from the former XL Foods beef plant in Moose Jaw, a 120,000 square foot facility that has been vacant for more than a decade. Neil Kettleson is Industry Relations Manager for Donald's Fine Foods. Donald saw an opportunity for uh, a new plant that would harvest uh, sows. And, and sows really haven't been harvested in Canada to any extent. I mean, this would be the largest sow plant in Canada. Uh, there's about 200,000 that would go uh, into Manitoba to get assembled, and then their final destination would be down in the United States. So a lot of those uh, animals would be transported over 15 hours or about 1,500 clicks for processing. So, you know, diesel economic works for, for us to keep them in the province here. Uh, the producers are obviously going to save lots on transportation. 
Processing the sows in Canada also prevents border crossing issues, both biosecurity concerns and concerns over border closures that can occur from time to time. North 49 Foods will start this week on a small scale, ramping up over time. We have uh, 42 new Canadians from the Philippines in Moose Jaw right now. And uh, they're being trained, they're uh, going through all the immigration stuff they have to do and all those kinds of things. They're learning about the plant. And, and then we're bringing in more as time goes by. We hope to have about 80 for, uh, as a complement for full startup. And then over the course of the next year, they expect to have uh, 200 people in that plant by you know, this time next year. Together with the Thunder Creek Pork Operation, there will be 450 employees in Moose Jaw. Cull's sows are two or three times larger than market-ready hogs. The sows will mostly be processed into sausage products initially, but other cuts will be investigated. Thunder Creek is the only federally inspected plant in Saskatchewan. With North 49 Foods, there will now be two. At the grand opening last week, Donald's Fine Foods donated $50,000 to the food bank and $50,000 to the Moose Jaw Health Foundation. For Saskag Today, I'm Kevin Hirsch. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for December closed at 183.55 today, and that's up 30. February live cattle closed at 184.62, up 65. January feeder cattle closed at 237.20, up 32. March feeder cattle closed at 239.75, up 37. December lean hogs closed at 71.72, up 55. February lean hogs closed at 74.87, up 50. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. U.S. wheat prices were lower last week as the rising U.S. dollar and rain in the U.S. winter wheat belt put pressure on the market. As far as some of the most important news that happened last week in the global exporters, we're going to start in Canada. In last week's update, the AAFC added 61,000 tons of wheat to the carry-in. The AAFC raised feed use by a respective amount for an unchanged ending stock number of 3.2 million tons. As far as the weekly exports go, Canadian Shipping Week 12 exports were 444,000 tons for a season total of 4.6 million tons. This remains 10% ahead of last year's pace, but the gap narrowed by another 4% over the week. Deliveries were in line with exports, allowing visible stocks to remain steady. The export pace will continue to slow, however. We expect Canadian exports will be about 9% lower than last year. As far as Canadian Durham, in their October report, the AAFC raised the 23-24 carry-in by 12,000 tonnes, while increasing feed use by 13,000 tonnes for a 1,000-tonne decrease in the carry-out to 400,000 tonnes, down 2% from last year. 
The AAFD has Durham production at 4.06 million tons, which is almost 140,000 tons less than our estimate. At the global level, we estimate that Durham production in exporting countries will fall by upwards of 2 million tons from last year to around 19.8 million tons. Most of the decrease in production, 1.6 million tons to be exact, is from Canada. But crops were also somewhat smaller in the U.S., Mexico, the EU, Kazakhstan, and Russia. Additionally, while crops in North America were generally of good quality, significant volumes of the crops in the EU, Kazakhstan, and Russia were impacted by rain at harvest time, which caused sprouting. This increases the need for high-quality imports to be blended with sprouted grain. Although production in Turkey is just about 500,000 tons more than last year, we estimate they will export between 1.2 and 1.4 million tons of durum this year, compared to the usual export volume of about 200,000 tons. The dramatic change in exports is driven by a combination of factors, including a good crop, wheat currency, aggressive selling at harvest, and government policy. Turkey has already exported approximately 1 million tons of durum, leaving them about two to 400,000 tons remaining to export. As far as Canadian durum exports go, week 12 exports were strong at 116,000 tons, but the pace continues to fall behind last year, which is expected. Total Durham exports are now 641,000 tons, which is about 81,000 tons less than last year. We expect Turkey will be out of Durham exports in December-January timeframe, which should then have buyers looking for additional Canadian Durham supplies. And we'll move on to the U.S. Rain in eastern Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas helped relieve the drought conditions there. U.S. winter wheat planting rose 9% over the week to 77%. This is in line with the five-year average. 53% of the crop has emerged. Weekly U.S. wheat sales were at the low end of expectations at 364,000 tons. Total commitments of 11.1 million tons are down 6% from last year compared to the USDA's expected decline of 5%. In Australia, harvest continues and yields remain better than expected. A late rain made local analysts more optimistic about the size of the wheat crop. We've heard of estimates ranging from 25 million tons to 28 million tons, which are all well above the USDA's current 24.5 million ton estimate. In Argentina, crop ratings in Argentina were unchanged from last week at 53% good to excellent, although the crop in excellent condition rose by 2%. Argentina's Meteorological Services says 30 to 75 millimeters of rain fell in some of the wheat-growing regions of the country. This will stop the crop from deteriorating further, but we think it'll be too late to reverse much of the yield damage that has been done. Harvest in Argentina is now 7% complete, and your yields are currently 1.3 tons per hectare. We expect this will improve as harvest progresses. In the European Union, the EU Commission raised the European Union wheat production by 200,000 tons to 125,500 tons. This is about 705,000 tons less than last year. 
to your EU Commission reduced exports by 1 million tons to 31 million tons. The combined impact was for ending stocks to grow from 17.8 million tons to 19.1 million tons, similar to last year. In the Black Sea, winter wheat regions in Ukraine received some much-needed rain last week. There were reports that Ukraine has halted some shipments because of risks from Russian warplanes and mines. These statements were contradicted by Ukrainian's deputy minister, but vessel movement has slowed in and around Ukraine's major ports. The market is maintaining that the size of Russia's crop is around 93 million tons, which is well above the USDA's estimate. There were rumors that the Russian government was considering removing the floor price which would be negative to the market. In the significant purchases and trades, there wasn't a whole lot of activity last week outside of the U.S., who sold 363.7 thousand tons. As far as any remaining news of significance, the weekly commitment of traders data had Chicago wheat speculative traders on a 92,254 contract next short as of October 24th. Egypt, Turkey, Pakistan, and Nigeria became the latest of the world's major wheat importers to suffer massive depreciation of their currencies. Their currency index hit about 900 against the U.S. dollar last week, compared to 460 in June. Shrinking currencies in importing countries is negative to demand. As far as the outlook for this week, the funds are carrying a large short position in wheat, but there is nothing currently in the mix to push them to reverse this. We expect prices to be lower as pressure continues from the U.S. corn harvest, but further forward, we see firmer levels when the harvest is in the bin. Weak local currencies will keep prices low for the present, while the Russians continue to be aggressive sellers of wheat. World events are extremely volatile at present and suggest a degree of caution. We note, however, that we have a short crop in Canada and prices don't carry any war risk premium. We are 60% sold and would hold additional sales for now. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up in one minute's time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. January canola closed at 678.10 down $9.40. March canola closed at 687.10, down $9.10. December Minneapolis wheat closed at 707 and 3 quarters, down 10 cents. December Kansas City wheat closed at 629 and a quarter, down 15 and 3 quarters of a cent. December Chicago wheat Closed at 5.56 and a quarter, down nine and three quarters of a cent. December corn closed at 4.78 and three quarters, up a half a cent. January soybeans closed at 13.10 and a half, that's up three and a quarter cents. December oats closed at 3.89 and a quarter, 
down 14 and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Prices for all feeder, steer, and heifer weight categories are down, according to the latest cattle market update from Canfax. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats has the prices for the week ending October 27th. Saskatchewan feeder steers range from 493.82 per hundredweight for the three to 400 pound steers, and down to 295.50 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound category. Prices declined for steers between 409 per hundredweight and as much as 21 dollars per hundredweight, which was in the lighter three to 400 pound steers. Average prices for Saskatchewan heifers range between 386.05 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 weight heifers and down to 285.17 for the 800 plus pound category. Heifer categories declined from between 103 and as much as 31.30 per hundredweight compared to the prior week. The largest decline was in the lightweight 3 to 400 pound heifers while the least impacted were the heavier 800 plus pound heifers. Froats outlines the factors affecting the feeder markets. The calf and feeder markets had some challenges last week with prices down across all those categories. Uh, these auction volumes are historically large. We've seen weakness in the futures market and poor weather, which all contributed. We may also be seeing those forward sold calves starting to enter the feedlots and then further pressuring the prices. Despite challenging weather last week, Froats says the number of cattle sold at auction in Saskatchewan remained high. The volume of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold at auction increased over the prior week. Canfax reported 48,657 heads sold over the week ending October 27th, compared to 41,840 the week before. Regarding prices for market-ready cattle... The price for Alberta-fed steers averaged 232.83 per hundredweight for the week, ending October 27th, and this is just two cents below the previous week. And prices for Alberta cows on October 27th were mixed compared to the 20th. D2 cows increased on average 154 from the previous week to average 135.83 per hundredweight, while the D3 cows were down 51 cents from the prior week, ending the week at an average of 122. 35 per hundredweight. Fonda Froats is a provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture with this week's cattle market update for the week ending October 27th. Farm Bulletin Board. The 34th annual Grain Millers Harvest Showdown kicks off in Yorkton tomorrow. It's a free admission to Harvest Showdown as well as the trade show. So there will also be a grain show, a forage show, a pedigreed seed show, breeder's alley, cattle show and sale, chore team competition, horse pulls, ranch rodeo, stock dog competition, school tours, 4-H clinics, a senior supper and dance, mutton busting, professional bull riding both Friday and Saturday night, as well as cabarets on Friday and Saturday night. So plenty to look forward to. I know tickets are now limited for the professional bull riding that's coming up on Friday and Saturday night. So if you do want tickets, get a hold of the Yorkton Exhibition Office as soon as possible. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. 
Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Becoming mainly cloudy, winds southwest at 15 to 30, then diminishing, a high of minus 4. For Halloween tonight, mainly cloudy, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, and a low of minus 8. For tomorrow, partly to mainly cloudy, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 2, an overnight low of minus 8. For Thursday, mainly cloudy, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of 0. For Friday, partly sunny, a high of minus 1, and Saturday, mainly cloudy, with a 30% chance of flurries and a high of 0. In the Paw and Dauphin, it's minus 4 degrees. Swan River is at minus 5. Brandon, Show Lake Russell, minus 8. Roblin, minus 9. Regina reporting in at minus 6. Saskatoon, minus 3. Hudson Bay, minus 4. Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, minus 7. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 5. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a south-southwest wind at 21, gusting to 33 kilometers per hour. 75% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 7 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 14 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.